0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van
0: Vliet! All right, here we go, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. How are you? How was the weekend? I'm Chris Vleet. So good to have you back with us for another episode. And if it happens to be your first time here, please make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on anything that we have coming up for you. Impact Wrestling star Moose has such a different character in the ring than he does outside of the ring. And it was so great to be able to dive Deep into his story about him growing up in a rough neighborhood, then getting a scholarship to Syracuse University to play football, then getting drafted in the fifth round to the NFL, then playing seven seasons in the league before finally leaving to pursue his real dream of becoming a pro wrestler. It's, a, it's an amazing story that I'm sure is going to inspire you. You can find him on social media. He's at the Moose Nation on Twitter. And he's at Moose Nation 69 on Instagram. And don't worry, yeah, we find out why he's called Moose. And if you're not following me already, I'm just at Chris ChrisFamVleet. Nelly Fresh, 1994, is our fan of the week. He says, love this podcast. It really is the best podcast around. My girlfriend gets jealous sometimes because I listen to you more than I listen to her. Keep up the phenomenal work. You really know how to listen and talk to your guest. You definitely got me thinking about starting one myself. Well, you should start one yourself. Nelly Fresh, thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review. And I always say this, instead of like talking about starting a podcast, instead of dreaming about it, instead of like spending weeks and weeks and weeks figuring out the right name and the right equipment, just start. Just hit record, start, and put it out there. And you'll be so much further ahead if you do that. And by the way, leave a review on Apple Podcasts for your chance to hear it read out on the show i read one out on every single episode okay let's do it ladies and gentlemen please welcome moose moose so good to see you again right here. What, what are we eating here by the way i have some skinny props well you i mean but you are the opposite of skinny these days <laughs> But I saw you last. It was about a month ago. I'm like, man, you've gotten huge, and you're like, no, everyone keeps saying that to me.
2: I'm not huge. I've lost all this weight. I, remember that. I was like, yeah, I've lost like 50 pounds, but everybody keeps saying I'm huge.
0: Well, your like your body fat is definitely in the single digits now. Like you're looking more jacked than ever.
2: Yeah, that's I, honestly. I need to find a place that could where I can get my body fat checked because I I really want to know everybody else, like the guy that helps me out, AJ Sims. The yeah. Buddy in my life. I was like, Hey, what do you think my body fat is? And just by looking at me, he'll be like, um, between eight to ten, but we don't know. He's just going by looking at me, right? It's not really any valid source of checking what it is, you know.
0: I know when you look at that guy's Instagram, and I think we should give him a shout out, it's is a sure. cement factory.
2: Shout out to Summit Factory, AJ Sims, because with, without him, I I wouldn't look and be where I am now, right now.
0: And so, I mean, all of the guys that he's gotten into incredible shape. We're talking like EC3 and Drake Maverick and uh, Jackson Riker, the Apollo Cruz. Mars- Cruz, yeah. I hey.
2: mean, yeah. He knows his stuff, man. He he literally knows his stuff. I mean. I remember when I first started, and it could get very addictive, too, because it's, like, one of those things, like, um, when you're trying to lose weight on getting in shape, like, yeah. a lot of times, like, it's very, very, very hard because yeah. of what, you, what he has you eating. Mm-hmm. But um, the diet he has us on is, like, you, you eat a lot, actually. It's, like, obviously, you're not eating a burger and fries and pizza and all that. But it's actually healthy food, but you're actually eating a lot of it because you have yeah. to eat like five. day depending on the day. Yeah.
0: Do you have your actually, TV on? By the way, could you turn your TV off?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh I no, no barely, it's okay.
0: I'm sure it's. I'm sure whatever you're watching is great. Maybe you're scouting for your Bound for Glory match right now.
2: Barely, like it's weird. I'm I'm such a weirdo because all I watch on TV is sports channels. So, like for instance, it was my my TV will be on FS1 or ESPN literally all day. And I watch all the talk show sports channels like, because uh, honestly, that's something I always tell my wife, I was like, man, this is something I want, I kind of want to do. I kind of want to have my own sports show and debate for people all day because I'm really big in the sports.
0: Well, I mean, maybe after your wrestling career, maybe that's what you'd end up doing. Yeah,
2: maybe we'll see.
0: And maybe, you know, maybe sometime in 10 or 20 years, that's, that's your new job.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll bring you on and we'll debate about about some sports. Okay, it's <laughs> done. Are you a big sports guy?
0: I am big sports guy. I mean, I obviously didn't play it at the level that you did, but grew up playing baseball, hockey, of course, because I grew up in Canada. I was an amateur wrestler. I played a ton of sports.
2: What's your go-to sport? To watch? Now it's football. Football, oh.
0: And I, wow. am, a, I am a Browns fan, which up until about last season was super embarrassing to admit.
2: Yeah, I mean, they went to the playoffs last year. Like, I mean, that's good. I mean, I think they're what they're two and two this year. Maybe two and three. I think they're three and
0: two now. Yeah, what it is. Yeah,
2: I, it's kind of weird because I don't watch really watch a lot of football. Oh, All so I, what's your go to sport now? i big basketball guy. Uh-huh. Like, actually, I'll take that back. I'm not really a Lakers fan. I'm a big Westbrook fan. So whatever team he goes to is who i generally follow
0: yeah fair enough did, yeah. did playing football make you not like football as much
2: no i uh i never was a big football guy like even playing i never really was a football guy it was just one thing that i luckily was good at but um as a kid i it's but a funny story is like when i got drafted by the falcons in 2006 i remember first day of the building, I ran into Warwick Dunn. And stupid me, I didn't even know who Warwick Dunn was. I didn't watch football. So I remember meeting him. Me I was like, hey, my name is Quinn janaka What's yours? And He probably looked at me like, you freaking serious? I'm freaking Warwick Dunn. It's like, that's kind of, and, and for the people who don't know who Warwick Dunn, that's kind of like, like me in who would you say um sting yeah. and not know who sting is and it's like hey my name is so and so um what's yours And it's like i'm freaking sting that's equivalent to me in the world done you know so right you... i didn't watch football at all like i I mean i just luckily was good at it
0: did, did basketball ever cross into your world as something you thought you might have played
2: yeah, I actually played. I remember me and a couple of my friends, we tried out for our varsity team in basketball. Um, I want to say it was sophomore, junior year. I remember the coach, get, we getting cut like the second day. And the coach telling me, like, um, maybe you want to stick to football. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's one of those things. I did sports because it was a way to hang out with my friends. Um, um, I came from a strict, strict um parenting background where my mom, we lived in a kind of like a rough neighborhood. So the only time I could really hang out with my friends was after school activities, which would either be sports or sorry to say attention. Um, and I didn't get, I mean, obviously he wants to get in trouble just so they can hang out with the kids. So I chose the more positive aspect of it, which was sports. So, and all my friends played football. So I decided to play football too.
0: So growing up in a rough area, did you start to, when you were getting good at football, did you start to see this as, oh, if I get really good, I can get out of this town?
2: Um, I honestly, that really didn't cross my mind at all. It was just, um, I didn't really think about that aspect of it until when I was in college. Um, For me, it was always like, okay, I'll play football, hang out with my friends. And then it was one of those things, like, I got a football scholarship. And as a guy who didn't really care much for football, I, I got to go to school for free. So, what kid would tell their parents or tell their mom be like, "Hey, uh, I don't like football, so I'm going to turn down this scholarship." I mean, what kid would do that? You know? Yeah. So, um, I get to go to school for free. I get honestly, I get to go to college for free. Um, so, when I was in college, I remember my junior year. After the end of my junior year, uh, me receiving a lot of phone calls from agents. Um, and honestly, it didn't really even hit me how good I was like in football. I just thought there was something that was normal that the end of your junior year going to your senior year, or or agents are going to start hitting you up with the possibility about going to the NFL. But it was one of those things where every agent that hit me up would be like, Oh, so after this year, like. Uh, if you was to come out next I mean, if you come out next year, you could be a third round draft pick. And every agent that I spoke to literally pretty much said the same thing. Some of them said third round, some of them said second round, some of them said fifth round, like sixth round. But every all the agents I spoke to said that I was going to get drafted. And that's when it hit me was like, man, I know I always want to be a professional wrestler, but if I get drafted, I could, be rich it's like you know what i'm saying like, i don't know what wrestlers make but i know what the first round of a nfl draft pick make uh, yeah. or the second round of, of a nfl draft pick make i know how much money these guys make so yeah. my plans kind of like got derailed a little bit you know
0: it's not like you went to just any school either you went to a pretty great school you went to syracuse university right, right. yeah so, you, I mean, you've got a lot of eyeballs on you there because you're going to a good school, which I imagine is going to help you as a prospect in the NFL.
2: Right. Yeah. So it, it's like, that's when I started thinking about it. That's why I really uh, started taking football serious. And I was like, man, I need to have a really good senior year because I have all these agents calling me and um, there's a chance I could get drafted here. Like, and not only get drafted, there's a chance I can get drafted high. You know, so that's when I really, really took, that was the only time my whole life of playing football where I actually took wrestling, I mean, football serious, where I started grinding and doing the extra work and working on my speed and doing extra stuff after practice, you know?
0: So, I mean, you, you're great in high school with the goal of, I want to get a scholarship. Then you get the scholarship with the goal of maybe I want to be good enough to get drafted in the NFL. Where does it go from there? You get drafted in the NFL. What does the new goal become?
2: Oh, I get drafted in the NFL. Yeah. Honestly, there wasn't really any goal. I was like, I was making a lot of money. Um, I I was a kid who came from nothing, making literally half a million dollars a year for the first few years, three, four years in the um in the NFL. So it was like I really didn't have a goal. I had I was set, you know. I mean, honestly, I wasn't really thinking about when am I going to enter this wrestling journey because to me, it was all about how much money can I make at this level? Like I get to buy things I, I only dream of having as a kid, um, different cars and different clothes and different jewelry and buy big houses. and it was like, so life was great, yeah. but it comes to a time when you're making all this money, but you're really not happy with what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and that that after I left Atlanta, after I got traded away from Atlanta, that's when it kind of struck. Where I was like, okay, I've made a crap load of money. Um, I have all this jewelry. I have all these clothes. I have all these shoes. I have all these cars. I'm really not really happy because football is not what I set out to do. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's like right now, I'm pretty much living a lie because I'm not happy with what I'm doing. I'm just happy with what what I'm doing right now like the money it's giving me. So it it got to a point where after my seventh year, I was like, you know, I have to give... It was one of those things when you're not happy doing something, it definitely shows. Mm -hmm. Um, The way you play, my, my play started going down. I started playing really bad and it was one of those things where I was so stressed out. I wasn't play, playing too well, um, and, but I didn't care, you know what Because it's like I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. So I didn't care how bad I was playing because um, the paycheck was still coming, but still I didn't want to do it. I, I didn't know when would be a good time to, to let it go, to start to – start this journey of what I really want to do. So um, long story short, I got released in 2012, about November, December, 2012, and had the an opportunity to go play for other teams, but I turned it all down to, to start this journey of pro wrestling.
0: And the crazy thing about starting your journey in pro wrestling is now you've got to start
2: at the bottom. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, yeah, you go from, I remember the last paycheck I got from the Rams, Cause we get paid every Tuesday, I believe, out of Tuesday, Wednesday, every Wednesday. Every, okay. Wednesday. I remember the last page I got before I got released was like sixty thousand um, dollars, and that's after taxes. So it's like I got paid sixty grand after taxes. And I remember the first match I ever got paid for in professional wrestling was like twenty five bucks. So I go from making. $60,000 a week to $25. <laughs> so it was like, but it didn't really matter because it was like, I loved what I was doing. It was like, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. The first time I got paid, I did a bunch of shows for free that I just had to drive up. And as long as I drove up and they would give me a spot on the car, but the, first time I actually got paid was $25. So those other shows were actually costing you money. (laughs) Yeah, it was actually costing me not only money, but time, because, like, I remember I drove, one time I did did a show in Dreamwave, Um, I think it was Dreamwave in Chicago, Illinois. And I remember, I forgot the guy's name, he told me as long as I would get there, he would give me a spot on the show. So I drove... And I had the money to to buy my own flight to fly to Chicago and, or LaSalle or wherever the heck it was in Chicago. But to me, I was like, you know what? This is what wrestlers do. So I kind of want to do what wrestlers do. So I, yeah. I bought, a, I remember a month before that I bought a, um, another electric, a hybrid car, a tiny hybrid car, paid for it cash. I think it was like $18,000. Paid for it cash because it was great on mileage. And this was going to be my road trip (laughs) car. So I remember I took this car and I drove. At the time I was living in Atlanta, I drove 12 hours to Dream, to LaSalle, Illinois. Wrestling Dreamwave. I forget who my opponent was um, that night. And I was so stoked. The guy did get me a hotel because obviously it was a 12-hour drive. He got me a hotel, but I was so stoked that... I actually wrestled in this hot show, and at the time, Dreamway was a real hot promotion. Uh, probably had like three, four hundred people there in a small building, and it was actually hot. You know what I'm saying? So I was really excited. I, I still had the momentum from wrestling this match. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to take the whole time. I'm just going to drive back. <laughs> so I drove back. So I drove 12, 12 hours. Wrestled twelve minutes, maybe. And after the match, drove twelve hours home. You know what I'm saying? Which, in my mind, I'm thinking, I was like, "What the hell? What I think was I thinking about? Like, I drove twenty four hours just to wrestle for free for twelve minutes." <laughs> like, <Man. laughs> where did
0: the real love for pro wrestling and wanting to be a pro wrestler begin?
2: Um, I mean, as a kid, I mean, just like with everybody, as a kid, um, I, as a kid, I was a huge wrestling fan, like. Uh, I, I watched everything, like WWE, WWE um, WCW, ECW. I watched everything. Uh, everything that was on TV, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know, as a kid, I didn't know there was such things as, um, like, New Japan and um, other wrestling companies or indie companies. I didn't know that was a thing. I was just into the big three that was on TV, which at the time was, wwe for the longest and then wcw came around and then acw came around later so yeah
0: and then when did you decide all right i'm gonna did you choose football over wrestling simply because it was the free education and then a chance to make some
2: money yeah pretty much that was it 100
0: and was there any point during your nfl career where you were like maybe this wrestling thing is never going to happen
2: um. Honestly, I didn't really think about that when I was playing football. Um, I didn't really think about when am I going to start wrestling. I was just enjoying the money I was making. Um, I still did watch wrestling righteously every time it came on. In fact, it got to the point where I, I had enough money where I made it like uh kind of like a routine where me and some of my friends or um, from high school, who um, who loved wrestling as much as I did, would fly to wherever the WrestleMania site is, and we will get a hotel. We'll make a weekend out of it, and then we'll go to WrestleMania. So I did every year. I did that. There and is no when I was in the NFL WrestleMania always lined up during the off season, right? So I I could do it. You know what I'm saying? I actually could do it. I, I wasn't missing anything because it was April. And April was off season because the Super Bowl was, what, February? So yeah. we yeah. didn't have to get back to work until late May to start OTAs or whatever. So every year it was like a thing with me and three, four of the guys, like buddies, teammates would fly to wherever WrestleMania was. and
0: There's no better image than a man the size of you petting a cat right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who is, who is that cat that was just here? What's their, What's his or her name?
2: Alopee. We call it Peep.
0: And then we've got a, is this a dog right next to you?
2: Yeah, this is a dog.
0: <laughs> and we got a moose. So we got, we got all these animals here. When, when did, what was the first time that someone called you moose?
2: Um, Michael Vick actually gave me, gave me the name, my rookie year. So it, it stems from all the way from my rookie year when I was in Atlanta
0: so michael vick gave it to you just because of the way that you played
2: no he just said there was a guy that, that was called moose a few years before i got there and i guess i looked like him so that's why I, that's how i got the name Moose.
0: and i remember you telling me in our last interview which man i can't believe it was years ago you hated the nickname
2: i hated it yeah like um and it was one of those things that i i actually wanted to be called tank because in high school everybody called me tank so, but there's a rule in the NFL, you don't get to pick your nickname. Um, that's the rule. So that was a rule. That was the name that was given to me and it just stuck with me.
0: I think that's just a rule in life. You can't give yourself a nickname.
2: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah.
0: So it did so the name obviously stuck. Then what part of you went, All right, this is gonna be my wrestling name then?
2: Um, it was just in when I was in training, um, with Mr. Hughes, because um, we would do this Thursday night free show for the fans, and um, that's when you would train for a while. And if he thought you was good enough, he would book you on the free Thursday night shows at the same school. And some of the town, some of the local fans that live like in a five minute radius from the school would come to the school. So we used to, we used to have at least about. 30 people in this tiny building, like it was, this building was so tiny and small that 30 people made it feel like WrestleMania, you know? (laughs) So, um, I remember when he told me, yeah, you're going to, I'm going to book you for a match Thursday. Um, think of a name. In my mind, I was like, man, what can I call myself? Like I sat there for hours thinking about what my name would be. And I forgot who told me. It was like, how about you just go with Moose? Like, that's what everybody called you. And it was like, and all the wrestlers at the time called me Moose. And you know what I'm saying? So it was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's easy. Yeah, Like, it's very easy. Um, and I had a teammate that I played with. His name was Lawyer Malloy. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but um, he was a big-time Patriots, and I played with him with the Falcons. And every time he got introduced when they did the, so, you know, the NFL before the games, a lot of people don't know this, but before the games in the NFL, they were either introduced, the home team will either introduce the starting offense or the starting defense. And you would yeah. get the perks and all that stuff with each person coming down. So Loyal Malloy, every time they introduced him, he would do this thing right here. And it would get a huge reaction for some reason. So I kept that in my back my back pocket as – Man, when I've, if I ever do become a wrestler, there's something towards that haunt the haunt thing that Loyal Malloy does and everybody does it with them when they introduce them. So at that moment that when I was thinking about what I was gonna do for an entrance, I was like, maybe if I said moose and did this as I said moose, maybe the people would do it. So um I had a buddy at the time, he was uh, he made music. And I told him, I was like, hey, um, can you make me an entrance music, an entrance song? I have a a match at my school, and I need an entrance music for it. And he was like, so what do you want? And I was like, I just wanted to say Moose the whole time. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I just wanted to say Moose the whole time. And he was like, okay, cool. And that's where my entrance music um, came from. And it actually got over because I came out, the song was saying Moose. I was doing this whole thing. The 25 30 people in the school were saying moves and that's how the moves all and became a thing
0: and that's become like such a big thing like you're big. you're so over because of that song yeah so w- was that really the first thing in your career like the first step where you're like all right this is my first break and uh, but then when, what's the next break after that
2: i don't think it was really my first break because I didn't really think when I did that song, when I came out to that song in the school and um, WWA4, I'm not thinking big picture yet. I'm not thinking, man, I'm going to be this over professional wrestler. I'm going to be as popular as I am now. I'm just thinking, man, I'm excited to wrestle on this free show on Thursday because this is my first match ever and I'm rest- I get to wrestle for seven minutes against this dude named Axel Ross. Um, which Axel Ross? um, he was like the head train. He was one of the trainers at the Curtis Hughes School. So the days Curtis Hughes felt lazy and didn't want to train anybody, Axel Ross would take over the class pretty much. So I got to wrestle him. So I'm not thinking about, man, this is going to skyrocket my, my career. I'm just thinking, man, I'm nervous as hell. This is my first match. I have seven minutes. Let me not screw this up. Um, <laughs> When I started thinking big picture was when me and a couple of buddies who also wrestled at the school, um, one of them wrestled at the school, and he he had a tag partner that lived in North Carolina. And um, we were all pretty close. They hit me up and was like, hey, man, there's a Ring of Honor tryout in Philadelphia. Um, actually, no, I'll take that back. Apollo Crews, good friend of mine. Um, he wrestled at School Hall Nation at the time. He hit me up and, um, he was like, hey, I'm, I, I, I currently do shows with this company called Dragon Gate USA slash Evolve. Um, I think he was signed there, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but he hit me up and was like, hey, I'm going to be, um, driving to Tampa whoever Triple Shot weekend. Um, for people who don't know what a triple shot is, is when you have a show in one city, um, if you have three, if you have a show all weekend—Friday, Saturday, Saturday Sunday—it's called a triple shot. So he was like, "Yeah, I have a triple shot. Um, I'm getting picked up by somebody. We're driving to Tampa. We're going to do a show in Tampa Friday, a show in Orlando Saturday, and a show in Jacksonville Sunday." And he was like, "I think you should come." because you're athletic or whatever, and you know what I'm saying? You're pretty athletic. You're still green as hell, but you're pretty athletic. He was like, I think you should call There's a guy there named Gabe, and he's the booker for Evolve slash um, Dragon Gate. So I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll have nothing going on. Like, I'll definitely come. So I jumped in the call with him. Um, I think the Bravado brothers was one of the guys robbing the car. I think one of them wrestles for NXT right now. Um, He's the one that wears a Chase U University sweater or whatever. He was the guy that was driving. So we go to, um, we get to Dragon, Dragon Gate, USA. And Gabe sees me. Uh-huh puts, puts in the good words for, and to Gabe for me. So Gabe was like, OK, cool, I'll give you a uh, practice match. Um, they didn't get to use my music, just with me coming out. there. in fact, they gave me generic music. So. Wasn't still wasn't thinking big picture yet. So um, I come out, I, I was like, OK, I don't have my music. I'm just going to say Moose and do my own pump thing. Yeah, yeah. As I'm doing it, people are looking at me like, what the heck is this guy doing? So quiet. And trust me, it was, a, it was a packed house, too. It was probably like 200 people at the, and I forgot the name of this, the spot in Tampa, the Orpheum I think it was, in Tampa. 200 people, and they're dead quiet. And it's just me, this big Black guy, chanting his own name in his entrance, Moose, Moose, Moose. And everybody's just like, "Okay, what is this guy talking about? And it was so funny, because by the end of the match, the tryout match that I had, all 200 people started chanting, Moose, Moose, (laughs) so crazy. But I didn't think nothing of it. So did those shows for free because it was just tryout matches, didn't get paid for it. Did all those shows for free, wrestled or whatever. And then like a couple of weeks out, I did it. Um, Gabe told me, he was like, yeah, every time we have a show, make come to the show and um, I'm not going to pay you, but I'm going to have a spot for you. So that's where the connection started coming. Okay, I get to work for Dragon Gate USA and um, I'm not going to get paid, but I'm gonna do the show, so I end up not signing the deal, but a verbal agreement working with Gabe with dragon eight u s a and I remember after one of the weekends we did the show with he offered me a contract which the contract was probably like a three year deal or whatever, but I was only gonna be making like seventy five bucks uh a show. It wasn't that much. It was maybe 50 bucks a show. In my mind, I was like, why would I sign a three-year deal only making $50? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I was like, hey, man, I don't know if I want to sign a deal. Let's just keep it as what we have, the working relationship, but just still pay me the $50. I'll take the $50. But I don't want to sign any contract. But I would happily take $50 a show. And it was like, okay, cool. So we had to work an agreement, which I agreed to getting paid $50, 50 to 75 so, whatever it was. um, So a couple of weeks after that agreement I had with Gabe, um, a buddy of mine um, that I trained with told me about a Ring of Honor camp that was coming up. And he was like, man, Ring of Honor is hot. And I knew about Ring of Honor because at this point when I started training to become a res- professional wrestler, I actually heard about Ring of Honor. I started watching Ring of Honor. It was so different than... Anything else. It was so different since CNA and it was so different from WWE. And um, it was just a different style of wrestling. It was kind of more of a young school type of wrestling where people did a lot of crazy stuff. And I was a huge fan of that. It reminded me of like ECW. So I was like, oh, hell yeah, I will go do Ring of Honor and do the trial. So we took a mega bus. We bought mega, mega bus tickets. And once again, I could afford to just fly to Philadelphia. But my friends didn't have that kind of money. So I was like, you know what? I'll do whatever you guys do. So we all paid, I want to say, like 20 bucks for round trip bucks tickets from Atlanta to Philadelphia, which was the most miserable ride I've ever had in my life. But once again, it was fun because I was going with my, my boys and we was all going to do something we all loved, which was professional wrestling. So I remember we doing the tryout, um, and at the end of the tryout, what Ring of Honor typically do, they will pick a few guys and they'll have have them have um, practice matches. So I had a practice match with this guy named um, Wild Man Kong. Oh, I think that was his name, or Congo Kong, or whatever it is. I remember Jay Lee Duban there, and the Briscoe brothers, um, Truth Martini. Um, Hunter was there and I remember doing this match everybody just popping and going crazy and, and all these guys I was just mentioned all these legends in my eyes just met, met guys I see on TV and I was a big fan of especially Jay Lethal which I was a huge fan of Jay Lethal because of his stuff in TNA you know what I'm saying with the whole classic war off with Rick Fletch I was a big fan yeah. of mar- Jay Lethal and I'm seeing him he's going crazy over my match with wild man congo or whatever so after the match they pulled me to the room that was like hey look man you freaking killed it um we don't have any spots to sign you right now but man if you come to our show if you find a way to make it to our show we'll definitely give you a dark match and we'll have something we'll try to get something for you so i was like oh man this is i have a chance to possibly work for ring of honor so i made it a thing to go online find their schedule of all the shows that they have, print it out. And at this point, I was like, okay, I have enough money to fly myself to whatever shows they're at. So whatever shows that, that the the ticket wasn't too expensive, I would buy a flight, buy a hotel room, Go through the show, help out with the ring, help out with picking some of the boys up, um, help out with like picking up Steen and Adam Cole and all these guys from the airport. Do whatever I can, and every time they paid me back by it giving me a dark match. Still, I couldn't use my on all these dark matches we talked about. I could still couldn't use my music. I would just use my generalized music that they gave me with the most thing. So I was just going off talent at this point. So I remember when, um, I forgot who told me this, but there was like, maybe you need to tell Hunter that um, Dragon Gate, because I was doing both at the time. I would go to Ring of Honor, get a dark match or whatever they could offer me. And then I would go work and get paid $50 for um, Dragon Gate USA Evolve. So I had those two shows in my back pocket. And then... As you know, professional wrestling, when indie promoters see that you're working with Dragon Gate USA, and you're working also doing dark matches for Ring of Honor, they think, oh, man, this guy's good enough to get attention from both his places and start sure. booking. So I was getting a lot of bookings, too, not making a lot of money. By at the most, at this time, I was probably getting paid like 80 bucks in the indies. Um, so I forgot who told me this, or I was like, man, then um, Dragon Gate offered you a contract? I was like, "Yeah, it wasn't a good contract. It was a crappy contract. And he was like, well, you have leverage. And I was like, I didn't, I, I understood what they were talking about, but I didn't really understand what they were talking about. They was like, maybe you need to hit up, you need to, next time you go to Ring of Honor, let them know that Dragon Gate offered you a contract. Don't yeah. tell them what the contract was, but just tell them that they offered you a contract. So I was like, Actually, I'm going to do that. Uh, so the last, the next show I did, I, I grabbed Hunter, pulled him aside, and told him, I was like, hey, Hunter, um, Gabe offered me a contract. And he was like, you didn't sign it, did you? And I was like, um, no. I mean, it wasn't the best contract, but he, I'm thinking about doing it. He was like, no, 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 no. Don't sign it. Give me a week, and we'll present something to you. So I was like, OK, cool. Literally a week later, they presented me with a contract. Um, Wish the contract wasn't that great, but it was like, to me, it was like I was watching Ring of Honor. Like when I left the NFL, Ring of Honor was like the first non-WWE TNA TV company that I knew about. And I was watching it, and I was a big fan of a lot of the wrestlers on the show. Yeah. so. First contract Ring of Honor offered me and I don't care because I mean to me money's not a thing. It was a one-year deal making a hundred and twenty-five dollars a show. And to me, that was like a million dollars. Like this coming from a guy who was making sixty thousand dollars a week getting offered a contract to wrestle for a hundred and twenty-five dollars. A show, you know what I'm saying, and I remember when they made my debut. Th- they were looking for music to use, and I was like, "I have a music. Just try it out. Then we'll tell me what you think." And I gave it to a Hunter fell in love with it. He was like, Are "You serious? this this your song. This is badass." And I remember with the first match, debut match I had. I wrestled Hakeem Zayn, which is Rohit at mm-hmm. at Impact right now. And as soon as that music came on. The whole arena went ape shit. And I didn't have to do the moose thing. They remember because they all remembered me when this dog match was doing this. And now they can hear the music that was pretty much telling them what to do when I did this and the whole place went crazy. And I mean, I know it was a long story, but
0: now I love this. And what what I think is great, what's at the heart of this story is you keep mentioning, you had money. You had the money to fly yourself, and you didn't want to. Like, you wanted to do this the, I guess, right way or the way where it felt like you were earning it.
2: Right, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. I, I I I think coming from the, a football background helped me in that aspect because I know in football, as a rookie, you always want to prove yourself. And I knew if I didn't do it the right way, and with wrestling, everybody, I was going to have that stigma that oh, he only went, came this far because he's an ex-football player, blah 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 blah. blah. So I already knew that in my, I, I had that mindset. I already knew what people was going to say if I didn't do it the right way. So I erased that right away by making a long road trips, driving everywhere I could drive, and you know what I'm saying doing shows for free and myself to every Ring of Honor show without getting a dime for it, you know? And people don't realize this. I did the tryout with Ring of Honor, I want to say in 2013, maybe, like I want to say it was November, 2013. And I got signed with Ring of Honor in July of 2014. So it was almost a full year of me Flying myself to different ring, ring of honor shows and hoping out and setting up the ring and doing airport rides and picking the boys up and getting the boys food and taking them to go get food or whatever Hunter needed me to do at this point. You know what I'm saying? Before I got signed. So, yeah, I, I did my young boy, my young boy stuff for, a, for about almost a year. Man.
0: Then how did you get on Impact Wrestling's radar?
2: I don't know how I got an impact Russell's radio. That's the funny thing about it. Um, uh, I remember I signed my first deal with Ring of Honor, which was, like I told you, one year deal in July for making one twenty-five a show, which was nothing. Um, and then my deal, my contract was up, and they offered me uh, they offered me a, like a salary to suck going to my second year, which wasn't really much. It was probably like twenty grand maybe. Which to me, like I said. I got to do what I love doing. And it was using me right. And I was wrestling some of the best wrestlers in the world, which I kind of used as a learning curve because I would get to wrestle Jay Briscoe. I would get to wrestle Adam Cole. I would get to wrestle Roderick Strong. I would get to tag with AJ Styles. Like, I was wrestling all these great wrestlers. You know what I'm saying? And most of these wrestlers now are working in New York or working in AEW Megan boatloads of money, you know what I'm saying? And these were guys that I was working with on a weekly basis in Ring of Honor because we were running like pretty much every week or every other week or something like that, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so, yeah, I signed a second contract. I remember um, once my second contract was up, I got a call from, or once my second contract was, it was like a month out from my second contract with Ring of Honor to being up. And, I knew I was getting there in wrestling because I got an email from WWE and um, it was Canyon Seaman um, and he was like, hey, man, I know you did a tryout with us a couple of years ago before, and you had your situation with um, injury or whatever. Because I actually did a tryout with WWE before I even started went to wrestling school hmm. and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had never taken a bump. um I, I got this tryout because my teammate, James Laurinaitis, his dad is, um, rest in peace, um, a- Animal. Um, and his uncle is John Laurinaitis from WWE. So he got me a tryout with WWE Like after I was done with football. Hmm. And during that tryout, I, I hit my head on the ground doing the headlock takeover and kind of got like real loopy or whatever. Um, so. That happened. So I remember um after when my deal with Ring of Honor was coming up, my second year, my second deal with Ring of Honor was coming up. They hitting me up and asking me um if I was interested in coming into doing another tryout. Um, which I was like, heck yeah! It's always been a dream of mine to work for WWE. Why would I not i be able, willing to do it? So I remember doing the tryout, and they told telling me that, hey man, like. We really like you, but the only thing we have to offer you is a uh, spot on tough enough, I believe it was. And for me, I was in a position where Moose was a household I at least I felt like Moose was a household name or Moose was getting to be a household name that I wouldn't wanna stop everything that I've built in Moose, which it wasn't much because we're only we're talking about ring of Honor here. It's not like I was in New Japan or like Impact Wrestling at the point, at the time. And that was like, so I didn't want to start fresh with doing Tough Enough and going in there as probably, I don't know if they give you a fake name or that you get to use your real name. I don't know how that works. but You'd
0: Probably just be Quinn.
2: Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to do that. So I was like, nah, I think I would just um, stick with what I was doing. And I, after that, I remember once my deal was coming up, I remember, um, well, it was maybe a week before my deal was, and I was set to sign back with Rang Ring of Honor and, and um, I forgot the guy who was working with Impact Wrestling at the time. I can't think what his name is. Um, it wasn't Biggs. It was um, yeah, I think it was I think it was John Gaborik. I remember him hitting me up and was like hey, we want you to bring you in and we'll pay you this much money if you come in. And to me, I was like, are you serious? Because it was like four five times more than what, like three times more than what Impact offered me for my third contract. So I was like, Impact Wrestling is awesome because I remember watching all these epic matches with- Oh, there's so much history it, there. Yeah, it was TNA at the time. It wasn't, we hadn't switched over to, TNA, to Impact Wrestling yet. It was still TNA. And I remember watching all these great matches with TNA. And um, to me, I, I really, only looked at Ring of Honor as like, uh, and I'm, I'm not trying, it's, I don't mean this by any disrespect, at that point I only saw Ring of Honor as a big name indie that happened to be on TV. But I saw TNA as an actual wrestling company, you know what I'm saying? Because of all the history it had. I mean, at that one point they had Hogan, they had um, Sting. Was here, Sting was there, Kurt yeah. Angle was there, like, so to me, this was my chance to, okay, it's time to go play with the big boys. You know what I'm saying? I, I've learned, Ring of Honor has taught me what I think I, I need, yeah. but now I have to actually take that next step. And so I came, I joined, and joined TNA, which is now Impact Wrestling.
0: Well, and now you're one of the big boys there. Like you can't think of Impact Wrestling now without thinking about moves.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and that's one thing I pride myself on. I I I worked so hard to, to make that a thing, you know. And um people ask me why did I sign back with Impact Wrestling. Um and it's like it's easy because um I wanna show people that um that WWE is not the end all be all. Like, yeah, if you want if you care if all you do is care about making a tons of money then go there. you um it's most times it's said that you're probably not going to be happy there. Um, but everybody has a different experience. But um, but there's a lot of things I've set aside, at impact that I, and goals I've set aside that kind of hit that I haven't really hit yet. And I want to be one of the guys that in two years from now, when impact is up here, they could be like, most help impact get up there. Mm-hmm. Eric Young, Eddie Edwards. Josh Alexander, um, Deion, the Peraza, all these guys that we have in our roster now busting their ass help Impact get to the stage of this. Yeah, because I don't think we're there yet. Uh, Like, I don't think we're nowhere there. But I do think in a couple of years, we're going to be up there where we used to be 10 years ago when it was CNA. Yes, We're
0: driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: I, I love when you brought back the TNA World Championship <laughs> because I've been, a, I've been a TNA fan, an impact fan pretty much since the beginning. So bringing that belt back was like such a big nostalgia factor for me. Was that your idea to bring that back?
2: Um, I wish I could take credit for that, but no. Uh, we do have a writing team, uh, a great writing team, as as well with Jimmy Jacobs and Robert Evans and um Tommy Dreamer and Scott Demore that pretty much write the whole show. And it it was pretty much our idea when they presented it to me. I loved it. I thought it was a a great idea because it took me back to when um Ric Flair went back to wwe and he had the nwa title and he was telling people that he's a real world champion and people was like look at that and what the hell is that title you have on your waist you didn't win that here so it kind of gave me that same vibe where yeah. like i'm the rick flair and i'm bringing this title back and even though this title is a real title i actually never won it. i just saw it in the office and picked it up and me being a dick dickhead I mean, I'm the greatest champion of all time. But and um I, I I think that definitely helped with my character development because um it was one of those things where like I bring this fake title back that I never wrestled for, I never won it. But then on social media, and when you um you talk to the fans on it, they really think I'm the real world champion, but I never won it. So it's like you guys. It was it was so fun to see how some fans actually believed in me and believed me when I said I was a real champion. They would say, "Yeah, he is a real champion. He's Mister Impact Wrestling. He should have a champion." Yeah. And, and that that definitely that whole storyline definitely um, helped with my development and my momentum.
0: Yeah. I think your promos have gotten so, so good over the time that you've been in Impact Wrestling. And I'm, I'm really curious to know, did someone specifically help you with your promos? Or did you start to study something or do something to make yourself get better?
2: Um, a few people helped me with promos. Um, first of all, a lot of people don't know this. Um, I think Jimmy Jacobs probably has one of the best promos in wrestling. So I think with him working with Impact Wrestling, it helps out everybody because he is a ball of knowledge walking around. Like sometimes you think he's a psychopath, but with him being a psychopath, because his mind is always thinking, his mind is always all over the place. He's a genius and he definitely a lot with it. And I hate to give this guy props because every time chance this guy has, he buries me. But Don Callis, before he left, was definitely uh, instrumental in the the development of me. And um, he made cutting promos so easy because some of the things he would tell me. And um, I know this character um, I'm I'm playing now, this Moose character, um, I remember having a conversation with Don when we was thinking about how to to present this character and he told me about have you ever watched um no country for old man the the assassin in that movie how he doesn't really he's really monotone and doesn't really show any emotion and he doesn't laugh he's not pissed he you you don't know when he's had he shows the same emotion when he's happy with when he's pissed yeah. And you really, I remember Don bringing that up to me. He was like, maybe this new character should be more like this. So when you cut your promos, you should never yell, or you should never be sad, or you should never be angry. You should just be always monotone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, about, I was like, man, this would probably be very hard to do. And I started. I, I went home and started practicing it. And it was actually easy. He was like, and a monotone promo is the easiest promo ever because like you're not showing you're not really giving any emotion like people don't know how to read you they don't know if you're pissed if they don't know if you're angry but one thing they do know is you look like a killer because you're not giving them anything and i played with it for a while I did it did some promos in front of my wife and she was like yeah, like you just talking, but for some reason you look like you're menacing when you talk that way. And I was like, That's a, that's what that's what I'm going for. I'm going look I don't want to look menacing. I don't wanna I don't want people to be like, Oh, he's pissed, or oh, he's happy right now, or oh, I can read him. I, I don't want people to be able to read me at this character. I just wanna be able to talk and nobody could read what emotion is going through my head because They just are scared, you know? And so thanks. Shout out to Don Callis for helping with that. And definitely a big shout out to Jimmy because he definitely showed me ways to not only stay monotone, but to show some emotion without showing a lot of emotion, you know what I'm saying?
0: Which match would you say you're most proud of in Impact
2: Wrestling? Oh man, that's hard because it's a lot of matches, man. Um I'll tell you a few that okay. I, I can't tell you what match I'm most proud of because there's so many matches, and sometimes it might not be that long 30-minute match that you would pick. It could be like a five-six minute match that I did something different or I, I I did something that um I've had issues with and I actually fixed it. So uh, so to so answer that question, what match am I most proud of is kind of hard, but I do know one few a feud. That I'm very proud of. I would say it's two of them. Um, My long year feud with Eddie Edwards um, that definitely brought out a side of me and uh, with wrestling that I think that was a match that made me understand what wrestling really is. Coming from a guy who used to be a spot monkey and just wanted to do cool stuff and do cool flips and do all these cool things and think about what spots should we do and what spots um, what spots could we do that would be cool. And that feud with Eddie taught me more about being a storyteller, mm. about story to tell instead of what spots to run, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so that was definitely very instrumental um, in my development. Development and somebody else just recently, my mini feud with Chris Saban. Um, that because Chris Saban, I think he's somebody actually asked me this question in a podcast I did earlier. If you was to pick a mountain Rushmore for Impact Wrestling, who would it be? And
0: oh, now we need to hear this.
2: Oh, oh, oh we'll get into that right okay. after I say this. So they asked me that question, and I was like, man, uh, Chris Saban has to be in there because he, he's such a, a underrated wrestler that people don't give him the credit that he deserves because he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, but he's so quiet and so humble and doesn't put himself out there that fans don't don't put his name in the list because he's not so outspoken, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, my, my feud with him definitely helped because um, he taught me a lot of things um, that I still use to this day after our feud with him, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, um, somebody asked me this question about if I was to name my Impact Mount Rushmore, who would be so? Is it. this
0: a TNA/slash Impact Wrestling Mount Rushmore?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. this company is still is TNA, is that it's always gonna be known as TNA. You can't, you can't say Impact Wrestling and just forget about TNA because the company yep. or TNA, um. And it was hard. It was it was hard because my I, I picked my original four and then I kinda swished it, but I didn't. So my original four was Asia because okay, so this is the thing. When I'm picking my Mount Rushmore, I'm not gonna pick people who made them name made their names somewhere else. So with that being said, Jeff Jarrett, even though he created a company with his own money and probably should be in a Mount Rushmore, um, I'm not going to pick him because yeah. he made himself in another company. He didn't make himself at TNA. You know what I'm saying? He was already a superstar in WWE and WCW and then yeah. created, a, but he should be, well, I mean, obviously he should be number one because without him, it wouldn't Conference. be a TNA. Right. Um, but that was for me. My standpoint was I'm not going to pick anybody that made a name outside of TNA. So that removed... Okay. Oh,
0: man, I'm so curious who's on this.
2: Yeah. That removes Jeff Jarrett. That removes Kirk Angle. Oh, removes
0: Jeff Hardy, David. Matt Hardy.
2: Hardy, all the Hardys. So I was going to only name guys who made themselves in TNA. Okay. That removed um, Samoa Joe as well because Samoa Joe made them name in Ring of Honor. And when he signed the TNA, that's when it was a big deal that TNA signed this guy, Samoa Joe, so he didn't make my...
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: So my four is AJ Styles. Of course. Gail Kim. Mm Mm-hmm. Eric Young. Uh Uh-huh. Raven. Wow. And if I could pick a fifth person which probably should be the first person who would be in the Mount Rushmore would be Abyss. Oh, yeah. Abyss was... What
0: about Daniels?
2: And, uh, and that's, a, that's another thing. That's the hard one, too. Daniel should 100% be in it. Like, <laughs> Katharian should be 100% be in it. But it's like, Bobby Roode, EC3, all these guys. <laughs> but for me, if you're looking at accomplishments, um... You have to put EY because he's like the Shawn Michaels of TNA. He's literally won every single title in the history. So you have to put him in there, right? Uh, Chris Saban, same thing. He's literally won every single title in the company's history and also has won the exhibition title more than anybody in the company's history. So you have to put him in there too, right? If you're talking about accomplishments, um, and crazy to
0: think Christopher Daniels never had the world championship in impact wrestling. The, and
2: that's and that's what I thought about it. I was like, man chris Christopher Daniels with all the epic matches that he had with a j Styles, but if you talk about accomplishments, he never but he won was, the put, world he was world
0: putting title. so many people over though
2: right he never won the world title though so that's the thing um same thing I mean Bobby Roode like Bobby Roode had. Was a great tag team wrestler. We won a lot of, t- won the tag team championships a few times, but never won the exhibition championship. Um, like, um, and then he didn't have a really long run as the guy at TNA. He did, but he didn't. Um, so, so for me, so hold on. What
0: do you? What do you need to do to you know throughout the rest of your Impact wrestling career to be one of those faces up there?
2: Oh. Um, I mean, obviously, I, there's, there's, I've only I've been here, what, for six years now? Um, still haven't technically won the— I haven't done anything, if you think about it. Um, I'm like one of those guys that, if you mention Impact Wrestling now, I'm probably one of the first names that come up that you think about. But if you really think about it, I haven't really done anything. It's just off of— it's off of looking scary and
0: yeah but you're also a guy who doesn't need championships to get yourself over
2: right and that's and that's one things. i think right now is a different it's a different um era of professional wrestling where now you're in the era where certain guys don't need world titles to get themselves over like and i feel like i'm i mean when i'm in that class where like i'm such a and I hate to say this, I'm, I, I'm I'm I proud of myself on being humble, but I'm such a big guy and such a, a presence that like people are gonna remember me regardless on if I have a world title or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, and,
0: and, you know you don't need to say that. It's something that we're all thinking and we know. Right.
2: Right. So I appreciate that. So, um, so, but if you think about it, like I haven't really done anything at impact. I've been there for six years now and I really haven't, I mean, I, won, I don't,
0: I mean, that's, that's I, not
2: I, true. Every that Josh Matthews also won. So, I mean, is that really a big deal? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, at the great, if you're looking at on stuff that you'll read on paper, I don't, I, I haven't really done anything. More of the stuff I've done is for fans who actually watch the product and be like, oh man, Moose is a huge presence in Impact Wrestling. But if you were to look at my stats on paper, yeah, I I mean, you wouldn't be impressed at all.
0: Well, if we bring this full circle to how this conversation started, you look more like a champion now than you ever have
2: in your career. Appreciate it, yeah. And that's one positive I took took. With COVID, was to work on the way I looked, I and mean, I mean, there's uh, obviously COVID affected everybody in this world. I mean, it's fucked. But um, one thing I told myself I was going to do, I was going to find one thing to to one positive thing to take out of COVID and working on the way I looked and working on my body and uh, working on my skills in the ring was something I was going to do because I had. I couldn't do anything else.
0: Well, I think that these accomplishments you're talking about, these championships, maybe it begins. Maybe it begins at Bound for Glory.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what the plan is.
0: And then I think as we look towards the end of this year and then into next year, I bet if we had this same conversation next October, it might be a little bit
2: different. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping. I mean, my I made a promise when we started back um, shows um, after COVID and an empty arena, but that I will be world champion by 2021. So, um, I know Bound for Glory is the last pay-per-view of the year. And if I don't get it done by Bound for Glory, there's still, we still have two more months before the end of the year, three more months before the every year to get that goal to fruition. But, uh, I mean, I, I think Bound for Glory will be a good start yeah. to try.
0: I, uh, I've I've really enjoyed this deep dive into your career and into your life. And I think that a lot of people are going to be really inspired by this, whether their goal is to be a pro football player or a pro wrestler or whatever it is that they're chasing after. I think that the thing that's so great about your story is this idea of you're never too big to start over again.
2: Yeah, definitely not. Like, I mean, I'm all living proof of that. I mean, I went from a guy making so much money to starting over in professional wrestling, making literally nothing, losing money, paying, my, paying to go wrestle, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, so, and it, it, I, would, I would love to say it was humbling, because it wasn't, because I loved it. Humbling <laughs> something you do something and you hate that you're doing it, you're learning a lesson from doing it. It wasn't even humbling to me, because I loved it. like <laughs> loved, being in the car for 12 hours, driving to Chicago to wrestle in front of 300 people because I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I was so excited to get there. And after wrestling that 12 minutes, driving back, I was—I had the adrenaline rushing in my body for at least the first five hours of the ride until I pulled over and got a hotel because <laughs> I was about to kill myself from like sleeping on the road. Uh, but I loved it. It wasn't a humbling It was, uh, I felt in love and still in love with professional wrestling experience that I would do that.
0: And I, your passion just like oozes through the screen. I, I love this so much. Uh, I end every interview with the same question, talking about gratitude, because for me, I start and end every day saying out loud three things that I'm grateful for. And I really think it sets the tone for you. So what are three things that you're grateful for in your life right now?
2: Um three things um, definitely my wife um' cause with this lifestyle that we live and always being on the road and always catching flights and she is perfect in the sense that she supports me through it all. she doesn't complain. um it's been times where we've made plans to do something at last minute, I get a booking and I have to cancel it, and she understands because. She knows that this is what I love to do. And then she helps me out with everything. And there'll be times where she will leave little surprises in my bag and or candy or a card or something that I forgot that I wasn't thinking of. And she'll put it in there and write a note. Um, So I'll say her first mm-hmm. because she is a blessing. Uh, my 11-year-old son, because I do this part for him, um, hopefully, to show uh, to build build up build up enough of a legacy um, that whenever I leave this earth, he could look at it and be like, "Man, my dad did this, 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 this all for me." Um, and the third thing, third thing is, uh, and this might be more selfish; it's for myself um, because as a kid, um, this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> so me waking up every day and getting the opportunity to live a life that i dreamed about living as a kid is awesome you know what i'm saying so yeah
0: you're i mean you're living proof that literally anything is possible if you're willing to work hard enough right yeah moose i guess i should do this moose thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to catch up with you
2: oh thanks man i hope to see you in vegas bound for glory Definitely be there. I mean, I, I'm booked on the show, so I have to be there. Well, so. of course you're gonna be there, yeah.
0: And you, you know, and you, you hopefully you're leaving 2021 with some gold around your
2: waist. Hopefully I'm leaving Bound for Glory with some gold around my waist. That's the that's the goal. So, but we'll see. Hopefully I'll see you there.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Thanks. Well, there we go, my friends.
0: Thank you to Moose for the great conversation. Thank you to you for being with us on this one. Bound for Glory is this Saturday night, October 23rd, live from Las Vegas. And you can find Moose on social media. He's at the Moose Nation on Twitter. He's at Moose Nation 69 on Instagram, and you can find me. I'm at Chris Van Fleet. And I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes ever. It's from Helen Keller and it seems so fitting after hearing Moose's story. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Be great, be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for so much more insight.